I want to start out in, um, I think, in Luke uh, chapter uh, 22. You don't need to go there. But that's where, uh, that's where God came to Peter and said, Peter, uh, the Lord has desired, or the Lord, Satan has desired to sift all of you like wheat. But when you are converted, I pray for you that your faith won't fail. And when you're converted, strengthen the brethren. So he had a call on his life to, to make the church strong. Yeah, right? And, and what's the call on your life to make the strength of the church to be a vibrant part? Like you think that you're not important here. You think that I'm up here preaching. No, you're, you're, you're as important as everybody else in this body. There's no such thing. I mean, maybe you're just a toe in the body of Christ. Well, stub your toe and tell me how. <laughs> no, the Bible says if one hurts, we all hurt. Well, we need to get, we need to realize we are family. The church is really a family. And when you hurt, I hurt. When you feel good, I feel good. When you get blessed, I get, get blessed. I mean, Corinthians chapter 13, if the church would only live in those verses. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, where did I say go? Luke 22. I meant, I meant John chapter 4. <laughs> no, but I needed to give a prelude to, to there with, with Peter because we're going to look at Peter later. Yeah. And are you in John 4? Yes. Good. Good, because I want to read uh, uh, 2 Peter 1. No, 2 Peter 3, rather, in verse 8. 2 Peter 3 in verse 8. And then we'll come back to John 4. So put, if you get a bunch of fingers, that's why God gave them to you. If you have a paper Bible, he wants you to be able to put a finger in each chapter. See, I encourage you to get a paper Bible if you don't have one. Write all over it. Because someday the, the, you might lose all your notes in, in your tablet or whatever, but you'll never lose them when they're written down. Okay, verse 8 of uh, 2 Peter 3 says, Dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. So a day, one day, a thousand years. That's going to be important when we read John chapter 4. Verse 9 says, The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And then in verse 10 it says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. So when people are giving you that the, the, the doomsday, the doomsday message out there right now, this isn't it. It's going to come like a thief upon the whole world. The world is not going to be expecting it like people are expecting it right now. So, you know, I, I call them doomsday deceivers. I think I got it somewhere else, but I don't remember where I got it. But I like the phrase because people are, you know, yeah, I know this is the last days, but it's been the last days for a while now. And the church hasn't come into its fullness yet. And I've read about a glorious church without spot or wrinkle washed in the blood of the Lamb. And that's what I'm expecting to see. I'm not expecting it to go whipped and defeated and crying and saying, please take me home. 
Matter of fact, if you'll ever notice, Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Most of the praying that takes place today, especially the prayers I'm reading over, over people in the Ukraine and stuff like that, you might as well shut your mouth. You're praying all that fear out and you're thinking that God's going to move. I'm not saying he doesn't move. He's moving right now because people are praying in faith. Without faith, it's impossible. Number one, you must believe that he exists. And number two, that he's a rewarder. Number two, that he actually hears what you're saying and answers it. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Ah, shut up. No, 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 that's not nice. That's not the love of the Lord. That's what I would like to say sometimes. Well, you know, I was, I was yesterday, I was looking in European news and the nuclear power plant that's supposed to be on fire, yeah. the fire is a kilometer away. The way they took the picture makes it look like it's on fire. It's not even on fire. What, I'm, what are you saying? I'm saying you can't believe. You can't believe Facebook. You can't believe the media. You know, it's fake. It's fake news. Come on. How many times have you seen it staged against Israel? The Palestinians and all, like, come on, it's just, it's drama. Anyway, <laughs> we're going everywhere preaching the gospel again today, aren't we? But in John chapter 4, thank you, Lord. So Jesus, in John 4, 4, changed the itinerary. And I'd like to say this revival in, 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 uh, in Samaria didn't start with a sermon. It started with a conversation. It started with revelation. So you need to write that down somewhere. Repentance will bring restitution, will bring revelation, will bring revival. We need revelation to have revival. Revelation knowledge. And it's flowing right now. Amen. So he says, he, he says in verse 4, I've got to go through Samaria. Verse 6, it says, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary, proving that he was in the flesh, right? Walking in the flesh. He was walking, he was walking at high noon. Now, if you've been in Israel in the summertime, <laughs> now Jacob's well was there, and therefore, being wearied from the journey, he sat on the well, and it was about sixth hour or high noon. There came a woman from Samaria to draw water. Well, the first thing that you would notice from this story is the women got the water in the morning and in the evening when it was cool. So if she's coming there at lunchtime, it's because she doesn't have a whole lot of female friends. She's coming there at lunchtime. She has a reputation, <laughs> and it's not a good one, right? But Jesus went. Jesus walked all those miles, kilometers, to meet her. Think about how far he's come to meet you. Thank you, Lord, that he came from heaven to earth to get to you. And if you were the only one, he'd have made the trip. He'd have made the trip just for you. He's not willing. John 3.17 says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He, he, he'd move heaven and earth for you. You need to know that. You need to know that. He'll change the government around for you. He'll bring gas prices down for you. He's just looking for a nation that will be thankful. You know, we kick them out of school and put metal detectors in. It's crazy what's going on in this world over the past 20, 30 years. Anyway, st stay on track, Gary. Okay. It was the sixth hour, and there came a woman to draw water. Jesus said unto her, give me a drink. 
Now, but here's another thing that you need to notice. It started out with this because it's going to be important in Acts chapter 10. It started out with a conversation that somebody that, of somebody that's different. Because when you think about your spiritual life, it's not how long you pray in tongues. It's not how much you read your Bible. It's how you get rid of bias, how you get rid of prejudice. There's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. And, and the Jews had a serious bias against the Samaritan people. It, well, well, just take a look at it. And so his disciples went to, this, went to the city to get hamburgers. And, uh, but, I mean, this woman had questionable conduct. She had a different belief system. Oh, God, the Muslims. The Muslims are here so that you can, work, that you can witness to them. They're not your enemy. Matter of fact, they just perverted the Bible like any other uh, religion has done. I mean, a lot of the stuff they teach is Bible. They just claimed it for themselves, and they use the Old Testament law to, to punish people. That's all. So, okay, enough of that. But then the woman of Samaria said unto him in verse 9, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask to drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews, look at this, have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus said unto her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that said unto you, Give me a drink, you'd have asked him, and he would have given you Hayam Mayam, living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. How are you going to get this water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well? Matter of fact, it was God that gave you the well, girl. Jesus answered and said, Whoever drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I'll give will never thirst, but the water shall, I shall give him shall be a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said, Give me this water. Jesus said, Go and call your husband. Now here's the revelation knowledge. But notice, as you read this, notice that there was no judgment in it. Notice that there was no condemnation in it. Yeah. Because, no, we need to know that because the world's going to come to the church. Yeah. And they might, not be this, they might not have the same belief system as you. Don't attack their belief system. Give them some revelation knowledge. Mm -hmm. Love people. You know, there is no fear in love and anything that God hates, it's anything that stops the flow of love. That's why he's so against fear. That's why he said, fear not 365 times, one for every day of the year, so that you wouldn't be in fear, so that you wouldn't stop that love from flowing. You look at our nation right today, and it's total fear everywhere. Even now with the now that they're beginning to lift the regulations, which they said the truck drivers had nothing to do with. Hallelujah. I said, God, it takes a truck driver to deliver me. <laughs> Not that I'm diminishing the, the occupation. I don't mean that. They had the power. It's just like God to use something like that. Amen. So um, where was I? Go and tell your husband to come here. The woman that said, I have no husband. <laughs> Jesus said, well, you've well said that because, because you've had five. And the one that you're living with now is not your husband. So you've had six men 
and none of them have met your need, your satisfied you. But the one, your seventh husband is standing right here in front of you. The one that you need to be aware of and married to. It's like over in James chapter 4 and verse 4, he called the church an adulteress. Well, here he's talking to the Gentile bride. There's two really good examples of a Gentile bride, actually three, but two that come to mind right now. There's the book of Ruth, the Moabite that, that married Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, a type of Christ and a type of the church. And this woman right here, that Jesus traveled all that far to meet her and to marry her to his kingdom. Amen. It's good. You've had five husbands. The one you're with is not real. But the one that you really need, the seventh man, is standing right here in front of you. Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. <laughs> Who? She's sharp. <laughs> and our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and, and, and she's going to get talking about, you know, her belief system there. But she, Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour comes and now is, that you not worship in this mountain or that mountain, but you worship, because he said you don't even know what you worship, and salvation of the Jews. But as the hour has come, and now is where true worshipers will worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And really, when you read John six sixty three, he says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So he's really telling you, connect with the truth. Connect with the word of God. Connect with the new covenant. Worship in spirit and in truth. Where can I pick it up here? I don't want to read the whole thing because we'd be here till. The disciples came back, of course, with the with the uh, all the food from Wendy's. They had the burgers and they had the fries and they had the the Coke, Pepsi, and they came and they saw Jesus and they said, Master, you need to eat. He said, no, no, I've got food that you don't even know about. He said, my meat, my food is to do the will of him that sent me. I said, Lord, I'm trying to do the will of you that sent me, but, but Joanne keeps posting food on the Facebook. <laughs> no, no, Nancy and I are working on doing this 21-day fast. And all you see is food all over Facebook. <laughs> Hallelujah. I said, this is, this is serious temptation, Lord. I like what he says in verse 35. Look around. The, the fields are white with harvest. And he that reaps receives wages and gathers fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is the saying, one draws, one sows, and another reaps. I sent you to reap where you've bestowed no labor. Other men have labored, and you've entered into their rest. And many of the Samaritans in that city believed on him for the saying of the woman. Come on, a woman became an evangelist yeah. In, yeah. in 20 minutes. <laughs> so, no, if somebody tries to stop you from preaching town saying that you need to be saved long enough, no, you don't. Go for it. What if you make a mistake? You will. Just give me your testimony. Are they overcome by the blood of the Lamb? That's him. And the word of the testimony, that's me. Amen. 
Many Samaritans believed on him as the saying of the woman, which testified, He told me everything that I ever did. So when the Samaritans were coming unto him, they besought him that he would tarry there, and he stayed there two more days. That's what I wanted to point out. Two days, 2,000 years. Until the times of the Gentiles in Luke 21 are fulfilled. He stayed with the church for, for 2,000 years. We could look about it again, look at it again over in, in uh, John chapter 8. There's another story similar to it, but I don't want to do that right now. I want to go to Acts chapter 1. But you can read that on your own. The woman caught in adultery. There was no man involved. <laughs> I'd like to know how that works. <laughs> Very difficult for that to happen. But here in Acts chapter 1, Verse 1 is key because he said, These former treaties I have made unto you, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. He started it. He started it, but who's supposed to finish it? Exactly, because this is called the Acts of the Apostles, but it's really the Acts of the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost is here with you today, right? Yeah. So then he dropped, so we'll drop down to uh, verse Eight. But you shall receive power. But you shall receive power. No, you're not some wimpy, like, you know, my Bible tells me to stir up the things of the Spirit of God. Like, there's more to you than meets, really, there's more to you than meets the eye. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in your circumstances. And the greater one is rising up on you even right now. The greater one, stir up the greater one in you. Come on. That's what Paul said to, to Timothy. Timothy, stir up the gift. Stir it up. You get yourself stirred up. Realize it. And yes, the righteous are bold as lions. So don't say that you're intimidated by people. Say, no, I'm bold as a lion. Watch out for me. I'm level to preach to a stump. I'm ready. You receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, here's where the problem starts. The Jews wouldn't even go to Samaria. <laughs> we just read how Jesus had to take them down there and show them how to witness to people with a different belief system, people that don't think the way that you think, people that don't talk the way that you talk. Amen. Now, over in chapter 10, I already tried to slow down Paul Wilson the other day, so... So 50, 80 kilometers north of Jerusalem, there's a place called Caesarea. I've been there. And there's Cornelius there. He was, he was an Italian. <laughs> he likes spaghetti. <laughs> matzah. No, not matzah. Pasta. Chicken parmesan. He was a, a centurion, which means he had at least 100 people that he answered to him. Now, I've been to his place. And after this conversion, they instead of having, uh, right in the middle of the arena, they built a church. Right in the place where they used to have the, the games, they built a church. 
this was a powerful time, but this was the first Gentile that got converted. Look at this. A certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, the Italian man, a devout man who feared God with all of his hosts, gave much alms to the people and prayed always. Well, that's, that's pretty cool because here he is in the seat of Roman power at that time, Caesarea, the seat of Roman power. He's there praying to God and blessing God's people. Was he doing it trying to get a reward? No, see, your motivation would be love. I just love you, God. I just love you. It's like the centurion in Matthew chapter 8. Jesus said, I haven't seen great faith like this in all of Israel. Because he wasn't a, he wasn't a church guy. He was a, he was a heathen. So he, he didn't know anything about Jewish law. So he just accepted what Jesus said as fact, right? It's a good thing to remember too. Anyway. A devout man who feared the Lord with all his hosts gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision, evidently around the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming to him, saying unto him, Cornelius. But, you know, I wrote in my margin, the quality of a leader is generosity. The quality of a good leader is generosity. And God translated his giving into a revival. His generosity affected his whole family. So it says here, he looked and saw him, the angel, and was afraid. But the angel said unto him, you've got two things that are speaking for you in heaven. Your prayers and your alms have come up as a memorial before God. Send men to Joppa. That's modern day Tel Aviv. It's over on the seacoast. And call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon the Tanner. Well, I wrote that in my resume. I said, there's a breakthrough already. Because for a Jew to stay with somebody that's killing animals and keeping their hides around, you wouldn't do that. You'd be considered ceremonially unclean. So he had already had a breakthrough going on in his life. He said, go over there and see him, and I'll tell you what to do. When the angel which spoke unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants, and a devout soldier with them that waited upon him continually. But when they had declared all these things unto them, he sent them unto Joppa, Tel Aviv. Just remember Tel Aviv. In the morning they went on their journey and drew near unto the city, and Peter went up on a housetop at noon to pray. But we know he wasn't really concentrating on his prayer because he became hungry and would have eaten. But while he was getting ready to eat, he fell into a trance. And again, he wasn't praying about he wasn't praying about a mission that he was on. He wasn't praying about a trip he was about to take. He was just up there, just just praying because it was six, it was high noon and he had some time and he was praying. And uh, he saw a heaven open and a, a certain vessel descending onto him with a great sheet did in four corners to be drawn to the earth. Now. When I read this, I can go back to my kid cartoons and see a stork delivering a baby in a sheet. Now, maybe you've never seen that because the modern cartoons don't have that. I'm not modern that way. <laughs> but the point is he lowered a sheet down and it had, and, and I want to also note that it came out of heaven. So the lobsters came down out of heaven. So the shrimp came down out of heaven. So the stake came down out of heaven. Yeah. 
where there was all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, fowls of the air. And there came a voice unto him saying, Peter, rise, kill, and eat. Now this had nothing to do with food. This had to do with him going to the Gentiles, going to a culture that he was not familiar with. And when you read this, you need to realize in Leviticus chapter 11, it tells you about all the things you weren't allowed to eat. That was the schoolmaster to bring you to Christ. You know, he says, he says here, what God has cleansed, don't you dare call common or unclean. Well, when I read that the other day, it really convicted me because, and I think I may have shared this with you, back in 1992, there was a man named John Arnott, the Toronto Blessing was going on. And back in 1992, I knew everything. And so he was there talking to the pastors at Rock Church, and I stood up and confronted him about some of the things that I thought were silly. And so it wasn't only, it was probably only three or four years ago I called up and apologized because I realized, no, no, like we were, Pastor Paul can attest to this, the, the organization, the word of faith people were not the problem, but what we believed about it was the problem. We believed that we were right and everybody else was wrong. And as a result, we closed the door on so many ministries. I wouldn't listen to Bill Johnson because he's came out of the Toronto Blessing. I wouldn't listen to Heidi Baker because she came out of the Toronto Blessing. And that's, that was my belief system until I saw the sheet opened up and God said, don't you dare call common and unclean what I've cleansed. And, and what does that mean? That means, I, come on, I've criticized churches for the way they operate because they don't operate like us. You know what? I'm learning. Shut up. Because let what God has cleansed, God wants to do things one way with us and another way with somebody else. Who do I think I am to raise my voice against what God's doing? And so it's changed everything. It's really changed everything. Yeah. And then, and you know, the greatest thing that I've learned is true forgiveness is I don't even remember what you did. And he wouldn't tell you to do that if you couldn't do it. You can do this. You don't. And when you do it, you're so free. I'm not upset about what some other ministry is doing. I'm not upset about this ministry or that ministry or the other thing. I'll tell you, most God, what I think about that. No, I don't think anything about it anymore. I'm happy with you. Matter of fact, I'm going around meeting some of these pastors that I had nothing to do with before. Because I realize they've got something that I need and I've got something that they need. No, no, it's kind of like if you open up a puzzle... We were looking at somebody the other night putting together a puzzle, and all the pieces were blue. I thought, dear God. But no, no. But if, if all you see is the pieces, you don't. We see the pieces, but God sees the picture. He knows what He's building in you and I. And you can't get your scissors out and shave those pieces, make them fit somewhere where they don't belong. You know, you can't be the fish trying to climb the tree. A fish is meant to swim in a school. Lots of fish out there trying to climb trees because nobody's going to tell me what to do. The thing, the problem with climbing a tree as a fish is you feel stupid and you look stupid. What does that mean? That means you're not, not operating where God called you to flow. If you flow with the school, you'll be fine. Join the school. Find your place in the body of Christ is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You know, and, and if you want to be a great leader, well, become a great follower. 
Because one doesn't happen without the other. Why? Because you need somebody in your life. You need somebody in your life that can say no to you. Well, you're not really submitted to anybody. And he's not talking about somebody in heaven. Oh, I say that to God in heaven. No, no. He said on earth. Find mentors on earth that can say, no, I don't want you to do that. Well, you want to find out how sanctified you are. Get somebody to tell you no when you're believing that they're wrong and you're right. Yeah. It's not funny. Oh, what was that preacher's name I heard? I was just reading him the other day. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. It'll come back to me. Uh, but I heard a preacher say this. His pastor told him he, he didn't preach well, and he said, if you'll tell me to never preach again, I won't. But you'll have to answer to God. Right? But to be able to say that and turn it all over on God, that's, yeah, he, I mean, Hebrews 10.30 is real. He said, vengeance or justice is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. You don't have to repay anybody anything or anything. You owe no man nothing but to love them. Am I ever going to get through this chapter? And a voice came unto him in verse 13, rise, kill, and eat. <laughs> and that's, that's an imperative statement there. It's not a request. <laughs> okay. Verse 16, it says he did this three times, and then it was received up to heaven. Now, when Peter doted in himself about the vision he had, somebody came knocking at the door. While Peter thought on those visions, the Spirit said unto him, three men are looking for you, going down and meet with them. And so he did. And then uh, verse 25, it says that he headed for Cornelius' house. And... Uh, and when he got there, they fell down and worshipped him. But Peter said, stand up. I'm just a man like you. This is so key. There's nobody any better than you in the body of Christ. We esteem everybody better than us for, for only, only to keep us in a place of humility. But there's nobody better than you. If there was anybody better than you, you wouldn't have your own retina. You wouldn't have your own fingerprint. You wouldn't have your... You are so individual, and God made you that way. And you're so special to him. So understand what he's talking about. When he says that you're to, you know, pick up the cross and follow him. He's saying, follow me to victory. Follow me to victory. Hallelujah. When you die to yourself, you live for him. You're living in victory. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Christ lives in me. And it doesn't matter what you think about me. It doesn't matter if you like this message or not. He gave it to me. If you don't like the pizza, don't complain to the guy that's delivering it. Amen. Stand up, for I'm just a man like you. And as he talked with them, they went in and found many that came together. Verse 28, he said unto them, you know how it's unlawful for a man of a Jew to keep company with, with you people of another nation? With you people? Have you ever heard that? You people? <laughs> well, it's you people. <laughs> Racism is about the stupidest thing I've ever seen, but it's real. I am not knocking it. It's real. It's just not unnecessary. What color house you live in? What does that have to do with anything? How stupid. How dumb. 
Well, you don't think the same way. I don't. No, but see, that's a different kind of prejudice is what I had against the Vineyard Church. Yeah. And now Bill Johnson is one of my favorite preachers. But I wouldn't even listen to him before. I don't listen to that guy. He came out of the vineyard in Toronto. Are you kidding, Heidi Baker? I read stories about her. She's weird. Well, watch her preach. Get the anointing flowing and say, you know what? She's not like me. But she's got something I don't have. And I can glean from that. And she needs me too. Come on. Yeah. Uh, and now we're doing... Yeah. God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I say unto you, without gainsaying, as soon as he was sent for, I asked what the intention was that you sent me. Four days ago, I was fasting at this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed, and, the, uh, and he talked about the angel standing before him and so on. Verse 34 is a great verse. Then Peter opened up his mouth <laughs> and said of a truth, I perceive, I perceive that God's not a recept, respecter of persons. You know, he finally, the light went on and it had to go on because, how, because they went from Jerusalem to Samaria, and, but they need to go to, to Judea and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And how can you go to the uttermost parts of the earth if you don't like people? Jonah didn't like people, and he got swallowed up by a fish and barfed out on a beach. He, didn't, he just didn't like those people. Those people. I don't want to go to those people. He took off to Tarshish, ran in the wrong direction from God because he was so, bi so prejudiced, so full of hate. How many of you know Bill Cosby? Bill Cosby, how many of you know that he that he was charged with a whole bunch of stuff. Now, I don't know what's true and what's not true. All I know is he was charged, he was getting ready to buy a TV, studio, a TV company, CBS or something, and then all of these charges came out against him, right? Well, last year, in the back page of a newspaper somewhere, he was acquitted. You heard all about it when all that he did, but you, nobody said a word about him being acquitted. So what was he really guilty of? You know, you, you'd like to think that the KKK didn't exist anymore. Let me tell you something. They might not wear sheets, but they're still there. That, you know, that stuff's still going on. Hatred passed from generation to generation. It's like the Palestinians against the Jews. Hatred, hatred, hatred. And, what the, and why does God hate it? Because it stops the flow of his love. This is what you got. That's why God said, I want you to hate what I hate and love what I love. Yeah, right. You hate sin, but you don't never hate the sinner. You hate sin because it stops people from receiving my love. Amen. Amen. Now, some of you will go home now and check out Bill Cosby. I'm not saying whether he was or whether he wasn't. I've got a football player, really a great quarterback over in Houston, Texas, that when he decided he wanted to be traded, all of a sudden 22 charges came against him from massage therapists. And I'm saying, I don't believe it. I just don't believe it. I, I, you can show me the evidence, and I'm not going to believe the evidence because I, I know how you can doctor and fix that up too. They ruined the guy's career because he wanted to leave and go to another team. Hallelujah. Okay. 
How about verse 38, and then we'll move out of here. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, not Christ of heaven, Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Ghost and with power, and he went about doing good. So what's my job? What's my job if I'm going to imitate him according to Ephesians 5.1? To go about doing good and healing all that are oppressed of the devil, for God is with him. Well, you can't heal anybody. Here he, no, no, I can pray for people. And maybe I'll get a miracle and God will heal them right away. One way or the other, I understand now the seed. That when you pray, pray for someone, you, d you deliver the seed to them. And if they water that seed, if they take what you pray over them and go home and believe it, it'll produce a harvest for them. But if they, t if they go home and say, well, nothing, I didn't feel anything. I mean, nothing happened to me, then nothing will happen. But it's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Your responsibility is lay hands on the sick. Their, their job is to receive it so they can recover. Amen. All that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So, so this, this to me says alignment precedes assignment. You get in line. You're not that fish trying to climb a tree. You find out what it is, your purpose. It doesn't have to be grand. It may be. But it doesn't matter what you do in the kingdom of God. If you're doing what God calls you to do. I mean, I mean, Joseph went down into jail and worked in a prison for a couple of years. <laughs> Any of you been in a prison for a couple? No, don't raise your hand. You may, you may have been. <laughs> okay, now I'm going to finish it off with something a little different. I'm going to go to Daniel chapter 5. No, 2 Kings chapter 5. I know where I'm going. I told Nancy yesterday, I said, I got two messages. I'm going to preach both of them. So this is, this is quick, though. No, this will be a quick one. Because it starts out with letting you know that pride is the reason many people don't receive from God. That's why he opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humbling yourself is the greatest thing that you can do. Humbling yourself is admitting that you can't do it yourself. Admitting, admitting that I need help. Admitting I need the body of Christ. Chapter 5, Naaman. He killed Ahab. He's very famous for that, in case you wonder who he was. He was the king of Syria, and he was a great man with his master, honorable because of him the Lord had given deliverance to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. So lots of times you can, but, but let's, let's see where his leprosy really came from. And so uh, there was a little maid there that had been taken captive out of the, out of the nation of Israel. And she went and told, the, told uh, the woman of the house, you know, it's too bad that Naaman wasn't over in Syria because if, she, if he'd go over to Damascus, there's a, there's a preacher over there named Elijah that could, Elisha rather, that could, get him healed. And so in verse, um, well, first of all, in verse 6, he brought a letter to the king of Israel saying, now when this letter comes on to you, I have, sent, I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you that you may recover him from his leprosy. 
And it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive? This man sent me this just to pick a fight with me, he said. But that's what he thought. He thought, okay, the king, the king just wants to pick a fight with me. And so in verse 9, Naaman shows up. He came with horses and chariot and stood at the door of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger out to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall come again unto you clean. But Naaman was wroth. How would you like it if you went for prayer and somebody said, go jump in the lake? <laughs> no, you're a big shot. You just pulled up in your big limousine. You got your troop with you. And you're, you're, you're second in command in your country. And somebody says, I want you to go wash in the Jordan River. Well, you know, I, I remember washing in a river where the cow patties were coming down over in the Philippines, right? hit with a cow patty while you're having a shower. It's not good. But so this, basically, this Naaman was wroth. His pride was exposed, and it was expressed in anger. Naaman was wroth, and he went away and said, I thought surely, surely you'd come out to me. Don't you know who I am? And stand and call upon the name of the Lord your God and strike your hand over me and recover the leprosy. In verse, verse 12, he went away in rage. He basically said, I, I, I'm leaving the church. I'm leaving this church. I don't like the way they do things around here. <laughs> so he went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke unto him and said, My father, is the prophet bid you a great thing, you would have done it. How much rather will you do the simple things? And I'm telling you right now, it's, it, this is true in all of our lives. I have a responsibility to do what he says do, and I don't have to have it make sense to me. If, if I'm believing God for a healing and all I can do is move my baby finger, I'm going to move it. I'm going to move it and groove it and move it and move it. And just don't quit. Don't cave in. This guy would have went home and died because of pride. You know, if you're having trouble walking, get up and fall down. What are you going to do after that? Get up again. Rejoice not over me, O my enemies. Though I fall, I shall arise. If I fall six times, I'm getting up seven. I serve notice to any devil out there. I'm getting up seven. So he turned and went away in rage. Verse 14, no, verse 13. His servants came near and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to go do something great, you'd have done it. How many times must I fall down at the front of the church, Pastor, before healing comes? Well, maybe it's seven times. Maybe the next time is the time that you need to fall. What was dying here was his pride. Listen, listen, your enemy. The only enemy that you have in your life is pride. Pride was the original sin. Pride is still the sin. You know, uh, Proverbs 13, 10 says, Only by pride 
comes contention. If you're uptight with me, it's because you're in pride. I know you're not, I'm not saying you and me, but I'm, saying, <laughs> I'm hoping you're not. I'm just saying I need to recognize that what the difference is between pride and humility. Humility doesn't care. It's kind of like when you think about the happiness. Happiness doesn't come to me, it comes from me. So, so I'm not looking for somebody to make me happy, I'm looking to make somebody happy. <laughs> Heaven is coming out of me. Hallelujah. Joy is coming out of me. So verse 14, he says, He went down and dipped in the river seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the prophet of God, and his flesh came again. But again, I wrote in my margin, not after six times. Fully obeyed the, the word of the Lord. I, I think he had a misguided expectation. He was looking for something sensational. Sometimes when you're looking for something sensational, you miss the supernatural. Yeah. Oh, I felt goosebumps. What if you didn't? I felt him. What if you don't? You don't have to feel him to know that he'll never leave you, never fail you, never forsake you. Oh, I just felt his presence. Well, sometimes you don't. Doesn't mean he has left you. Still here. You're still obeying him. But I mean, you can keep your leprosy, you can keep your poverty, you can keep your pride, you can be offended, you can miss your miracle. You want to harvest? God gives you a seed. In this particular case, the seed was go and dip seven times, right? Now, uh, but, I, but I really didn't want to what I really wanted to get to was Gehazi. <laughs> he hadn't even shown up yet. Yeah. Anyway, to make a long story longer, um, Naaman tried to pay Elijah, and Elijah said, no, no, I don't take any money from you. I'm not into this for financial gain. And so it says in verse 19, he departed said, go in peace. He departed from him a little way. But then Gehazi had an idea. The servant of the Elijah, Elisha, the servant of God. Behold, my master has spared Naaman the Syrian and not received at his hands that which was brought. But as the Lord lives, I'll run after him and I'll take some stuff. So Gehazi followed after Naaman. And when Naaman saw him running after him, he lighted down from his chariot to meet him and said, is all well or shalom? He said, Shalom, my master has sent me, saying, Behold, even now, while you were talking to me, two men from Mount Hermon, Mount Ephraim, rather, came as sons of the prophets. Give me, I pray, a talent of silver and two changes of garments. Naaman said, Be content, take two talents, and he urged him bound two talents of silver in two bags, and two changes of garments and laid upon him and his two servants before him. And when he came to the tower, he looked took them from his hand and bestowed them in his house, hid them in his house, and let the men go and departed. Well, there was a problem, though, because Elisha knew what was going on. Elisha had seen this whole thing. And not only that, leprosy is in your clothing. And so the clothing that he took probably became, contained the leprosy that he caught. Verse 27. The leprosy, therefore, of Naaman shall cleave to you and unto your seed forever. And he went out from the presence of the Lord 
the leper was white as snow. Now, I, I, it sounds like a sad ending until you read a few chapters later and you find out that God's grace is greater than your sin, that God's grace came and got a hold of Gehazi and healed him. There's no record of it, I, I believe, uh, but I do believe this in, in chapter 7 and chapter 6 and 7 where it says that four lepers marched toward the camp of the enemy. I believe he was one of them. And I believe that those four lepers represent Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John taking Adam into the presence of Jesus. That's just a little sidebar there. But but I want to go to 2 Kings chapter 8 and see what happened to this man. The blessing caught up with him. The blessing, he had served faithfully. He had served Elisha faithfully, and then he blew it. Have anybody here ever blown it? And you think it's over? It's not over. Not even close to over. Chapter 8. Your future's not by chance, it's by choice. And he made a choice to continue to serve the Lord even after he was in that diseased place. Then spoke Elisha unto the woman. This is chapter 8. Well, I need to give you a little, just a little. How much time do I have? Give me seven minutes. What happened was Elisha met a woman, a Shunammite woman. He met her because she watched him going by her house all the time and recognized that he was a prophet of God. So she built a house for him, attached it to her house. And she put a a bed chamber there and she, she put a little throne there and she put a study area there so that every time he would go by, uh, he would stop there and stay. And, um, she did this because she's a good woman. That's all. She wasn't looking for anything. Matter of fact, he had to finally ask her, you know, do you need anything? And she said through the interpreter, she said, well, I've never had a son and I'm too old. He said, about this time next year, you'll have a son. So she had a son. And the son grew and the son got sick out in the fields and had a, had a stroke and died. She took him, took him back to Elisha and Elisha raised him from the dead. And so, so Elisha had a, a big impact on this woman. But now, uh, when, when, when a famine hit the country, she had to leave for seven years. It's kind of like the seven-year tribulation period for the church. There may be a connection there, too. I'm not sure. But it's interesting here that she had to leave for seven years, but it doesn't matter. Then spoke Elisha unto the woman, Son, no, I'm messing up here. No. Yeah. Okay. Verse one. Then spoke Elisha unto the woman whose son she had restored to life, saying, Arise and go, you and your household, to travel where you can travel. For the Lord has called for a famine, and the famine will come upon the land for seven years. And the woman rose up and did it as the saying of the man of God was. And she went with her household and traveled in the land of the Philistines. So she went into the camp of the enemy. For seven years. That's another, there's probably another message there. Hmm. Something to check out later. So it says she stayed in the land of the Philistines. She went forth, to, and then after it was over, she went forth to cry unto the king for her house and all of her land. So in other words, she gave up a lot to, to run away, and now she wanted it back. She was looking to get her blessing back. As, but you talk about coincidences. Have you ever had coincidences in God? 
There's no such thing as a coincidence in God. Things happen on purpose. The king talked with, as the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, tell me, I pray you, some of the great things that Elisha has done. It came to pass as he was telling the king how he had restored a dead body to life, her son. Behold, the woman whose son had been restored to life cried out unto the king for her house and her land. And Gehazi said, my Lord, O king, this is the woman that I was just talking to you about. No, there's coincidences. Like I remember one day Nancy and I were traveling home in different vehicles and we met on the elevator together. Well, that may be, a, do you know how many things had to happen for the two of us to end up on, she got on the main floor and I got on the basement or vice versa. And, and the, the elevator door opened and there she was standing there and I'm thinking, this is, this is, <laughs> no, but that's the way God is. And so if you think he's not working in your life, you, you better get a grip. Don't, don't give up. Please don't ever give up on God. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11 or is still true today. I give you a hope and a future and bring you to a great finish. Expect to finish strong. Amen. But Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, said, this is the woman. My Lord, the king, this is the woman. And this is her son whom I, Elijah stored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she told him. So the king appointed her unto her, a certain officer saying, restore you need to circle that word restore every time you see it, because revival will bring restoration. And restoration will bring revelation, and revelation will bring revival. Repent, get things restored, expect revelation. So maybe you need some things restored here today. Well, you need to know that God's working on it right now. Restore all that was hers, all the fruits of the field since the day, since the day that she left, even until now. Everything that it cost her for seven years came back one morning. Everything that she had lost for seven years came back one morning and came back from a man that used to have leprosy. And here we are all those years later, and he's standing before the king clean and whole. So he got restored, and then he restored her. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It's where you're going to. Don't live in the rearview mirror. Don't live in the rearview mirror. Keep your eyes on the road. Keep focused, fixed on Christ's unlimited supply every day. Focused, fixed on Christ's unlimited supply every day. What am I expecting? Everything good, everything right. <laughs> what am I expecting? I'm like Cornelius. I keep giving tithes, keep giving alms, keep praying for people, and Maybe years go by and nothing happens. Then all of a sudden, one day, one day an angel shows up and says, I want you to go to Joppa and find a man. I want you to go to Tel Aviv. I want you to go get this deal going here. So, so it's not about doing it to get things, but when you're faithful, my Bible says that he's faithful. He's faithful and he's just. And he's saying, I won't forget the labor of love that you do toward all the saints. He said, I won't forget it. You're not somebody here that, that's forgotten. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. 
We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.